You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. going to be talking about Black Flag Damaged. On the line, I have Rob. I got a six-pack and nothing to do. Ben. What a headache. And Kyle. Hill Street Blues. <laughs> Damage is the debut studio album by the American hardcore punk band Black Flag. It was released on December 5th, 1981 on SST Records. The producer was Spot, Black Flag, and the genre is hardcore punk. I'm going to read from the book Tim Scott. Not so much burning, but napalming its way onto the often violent California punk scene of the early 80s. Damage is one of the angriest and most confronting albums ever. It is the definitive U.S. hardcore album. Although Black Flag had been recording for three years prior to its release, the fact that 20-year-old fan and sometimes ice cream store manager Henry Rollins was now grasping the microphone made the difference. His physical and tenacious president backed by the powerful guitar of founder Greg Ginn, shook the Los Angeles punk community scene with such ferocity that the band were considered by some sections of the L.A. law enforcement as political terrorists and were often kept under surveillance. Damage was dangerous music, though mixed with Ginn's humor and Rollins' smarts. MCA Records refused to release it, stating it was, quote, immoral, but when Ginn finally released it on its own SST label, American punk rock was changed forever. Damage can even be credited with helping lay the groundwork for the U.S. DIY punk touring circuit that exists today. The band set off on a tour with nothing but a van, map, and a lot of rage. While the band's early albums had much more 1977-style punk sound, Damage introduces the hardcore thrash metal blitz that they were, were to become famous for. Songs such as Rise Above, Six Pack, and the standout Life of Pain are short, fast, and punchy odes to teenaged pissed-offness that sounds as relevant and nasty today as it did back in 1981. All right, what do we think of Black Flag Damaged? Uh, it's a stone-cold classic. Yeah, it's a classic. 100% a fucking it. classic, yeah. important piece of work. Um, I, I'm going to take a, a little bit of... Uh, not hubris. I can't even remember what words are anymore, guys. Uh, the label didn't release it because it, not because it was immoral. They said it was anti-parent. <laughs> also a lie. But the, it, they didn't even say immoral. It was like this, the the exec at Unicorn was like, I think this is anti-parent. <laughs> yeah. Is that even a thing? Anti-parent? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> like, wouldn't rock? wouldn't wouldn't they need to be like saying like we don't like parents, kill your parents to be anti-parent? <laughs> you know, like just because parents don't like it doesn't make it anti-parent. 
Unicorn wasn't uh, doing well. They're already like financially underwater. So and they knew that this wasn't going to sell well for them. So they just said, we can't release this because it's anti-parent, which is why this album stayed locked in litigation for over a year. Um, but that we can we can get way into that like in a second. This album's awesome. This is it's super good. I got into it way too late. I, I think I was 23 when I first sat down and listened to this whole record. Uh, like, I was 39 when I sat down and listened <laughs> to this whole record. Wow. It was it, it, well, it was up, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Prime age for me. 16, 17. Nice. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, I, was, I was right there with you. Oh, I got into uh, this record right after uh, that, that Circle Jerks record, uh, Group Sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of crossover is, with those bands. There is. There is. What do, you, what do we think is, I mean, Rollins is like such a force on this record. Mm-hmm. Not, to, not to discount anybody else, but I mean, I'm a big fan of the earlier uh, Black Flag um, Nervous Breakdown EP is one of my favorites, but there's something about Rollins that adds a dynamic to this, the, the sort of spouting of almost angry poetry, the mm-hmm. depression, mm-hmm. the sort of psyche. Um, and he didn't write all these songs. I mean, a lot of them were by Ginn, but mm-hmm. man, he delivers. Dude, he, yeah. his delivery is a force of nature. And I think that's my favorite thing about, about the whole album. It's his delivery and... And uh, some of the lyrics, I don't know if they're Greg Ginn's lyrics or Rollins's lyrics, but they, they just like jump out and grab you. And yeah, just, just just his just like spitting delivery is mm-hmm. it's really fun. Yeah, it's Man. raw. It's it's desperate. Um, like damage too. you know, it's uh, I'm confused, confused. Don't want to be confused. Scars. Ah, like <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's not subtle. It, it's as, it's one of the closest you can get to something like raw emotion just in, you know, put down on a record. It's incredible. Yeah. He always sounds like he's he's literally shouting at someone, which was the case. He did shout at a lot of the audience. That's <laughs> during true. These songs. Yeah. He was very confrontational. He I was really surprised too that, you know, that it took so long for him to get into the band. Obviously, he was in D.C., the band was in California, and they were having problems with um, their uh, their other lead singer, obviously with drugs and, uh, you know, not wanting to, to be on the road. Uh, and so Rollins was really a fan of the band, um, just just one of those guys that was around the scene, knew uh, had a, a very short-lived uh, career uh, as a in a DC punk band, but man, when black flag came through and they were like crashing at his house and he got up on stage and sang a song or they thought, yeah, this is a, this is it. Something clicked. Yeah. He, um, he was working at an ice cream shop with Ian McKay, a haagen I think he was the manager. <laughs> I've, I've and, seen uh, some of those uh, pictures. Like they, They're great. <laughs> yeah. They, I mean, they, like black flag coming through was like a huge deal for him. They, they went and saw, they saw the DC show and then they drove up to New York city and like went into that. Like, and that, that's a haul from, uh, from DC to like New York. And yeah, they, uh, they, they tried to see him as many times as possible. Uh, and yeah, Henry took time off to go up and like audition for him, like in New York. And, uh, like while they were on the road still, <laughs> 
and yeah, they, they were like, they, they pretended like to have a meeting about it, and they're like, yeah, you're in. And he like just turned in his like Hagen does uniform and <laughs> <laughs> jumped in the van and went back to California with them. He, he rode back with them. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> if memory serves from the, uh, the book, he absolutely did. Um, but yeah, I could I, be making I believe you're right. Rob, I did just read the reread this last week, and it was it's still awesome that uh, our band could be your be your life. The first chapter is actually Black Flag, and it's it's incredible, you know, just reading kind of what they went through with the California police coming cracking down on them and watching them, sort of harassing them and everyone around them. Obviously, they were considered a gang because of the the bars. Uh, uh, Mm-hmm. icon that was spray painted all over Southern California. Um, and then just how they lived in sort of squalor, uh, just because they were so dedicated. And I mean, they were selling some records with SST, but it wasn't, I mean, they didn't have a major release and they would ask people, other bands, you know, where they played shows. And then they just took it upon themselves to play every club they could. And then that became the proving ground uh, for other bands that were going through. They're like, did Black Flag play here? And they're like, yeah, they mm-hmm. did. And, and then that that gave a, a more confidence for these other bands that wanted to play these places. If Black Flag had played there, then that meant something. Yeah, they single handedly mm-hmm. like made the indie like touring circuit off of that first tour of them, them going out to the East Coast and back. Just fucking incredible. Um I was uh so what what do we got? We got uh police story um is one of the songs on here and I was trying to think like what's a what what's what gets the upper hand as far as like uh hardcore songs about the police? Would you go with uh Black Flag's police story or uh, Dead Kennedy's police truck? I don't Probably, I don't know. Uh, it has to be a competition. Yeah, I was going to say. Oh fine. Don't they hate us. Know. We hate them. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's Dead Kennedys are very much in the humor element, whereas Black Flag does feel has a bit more danger. the 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 element of of them just feels like it's going off the rails. They don't have they don't have the humor. They have the humor, I guess, in some songs like TV uh, Party, TV Party, but it's it's sparing. Uh, between the two songs, I like Police Truck. But uh, I also, you know, heard it 20 years earlier than than Police Story. And I, and I like surfy guitar. Totally fair. Um, so so Ben, as a newcomer to this record, what did you think about the musicianship? Uh, they, they are throwing throwing down. Definitely. You know, it's hard with with like with hardcore punk. That's this hardcore. They definitely don't sound <laughs> sloppy, but they're not necessarily going for clean and tight mm-hmm. but they sound road tested for damn sure you know yeah yeah that's a that's actually it's funny that this is like considered like a hardcore mainstay um because when greg ginn was writing this he was actively just kind of trying to disassociate himself from the hardcore scene it'd become too stringent the, everything had to sound exactly like what it was going to sound like. And he intentionally put in like some more like shake your hips type stuff with this album. It, it swings a little bit like compared to like compare this to group sex, you know, the, well, this, this has, this has a little bit of butt wiggle to it. 
I mean, TV Party has claps on it. I, I can never tell if those are ironic claps or not. Yeah. In, the whole song. I know the whole song's I, ironic. Sure. <laughs> I was actually wondering specifically about those claps because I read today that they recorded TV Party like three different times uh, for, for different uses. And I had heard that it was on the second recording of it that they added the hand claps. But on the album I've been streaming on Spotify all week, there's hand claps. So I don't know if I've, if I've been listening to the second recording of it or if what I read was wrong. Well, was the first recording commissioned for the... Uh... That was the second. They recorded this one and then they had to re-record it for uh, uh, Repo Man, the Alex yeah, Repo Man. Thank movie. You. Yeah. yeah, and that's, they, wanted to de- they said that that was the one with hand claps, the one they did for Repo Man, but that's also the one that I listened to this week. Yes, I believe so. So, yeah, I, I don't know. But hand- <laughs> I did. I do like the hand claps, though. I'm a fan of hand claps. They're almost always welcome. And if you're going to throw hand claps on a Black Flag song, it might as well be the one that's the lighter satire song on the album. Oh, you know, I thought, I thought you were going to say it should probably be slip it in, but apparently not. That's <laughs> <laughs> I really liked tracks tra- or side two lead off uh, depression. Yeah. <laughs> what what really perked my ear up because I was listening to I had it on the radio like while I was cooking and I was enjoying the whole album. But what really made me my ears prick up on that song was I think it's the second verse that starts with just everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I loved the delivery of the word everybody where it just sounded like someone was strangling Grover the Muppet. But <laughs> and, and I also, I liked the couplet, uh, like, people tell me things are going to get better. I was like, they fucking better! <laughs> yeah. that, you know, I, I kind of have a love-hate thing with YouTube comments, but I looked up that one, and there's a lot of, like, new comments oh, yeah. um, from, from, it sounded like, younger dudes who were in high school and were time and, and this 40 year old album like spoke to them you know awesome. like yeah. it's, it's a pretty timeless song and it's very intense and it's very raw and it's um there's not a lot of metaphors you know it's just kind of like here's how i feel <laughs> crazy you know <laughs> it's the it might be the yeah i mean i was saying it was one of the most raw emotional but it it does not mince words one bit it doesn't mm. some of the some of the time it's not he's not trying to be creative. He's literally just saying the words in his head. Yeah, it's like a country song. It's like the lyrics of a country song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well yeah, man, damaged one is just him freestyling more or less. Yeah. Like just, oh, you mean the song that opens on. with my name's Henry and you're here with yeah. me now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the one. My name's Henry and I'm uh, here to stay. <laughs> Macho Man Randy Savage lyrics. <laughs> Sorry, that's a little obscure. Uh, yeah, uh, Padded Cell, same. 
the, yeah. the lyrics are maniacs, maniacs, maniacs. <laughs> but it's the way that he delivers them that makes it okay. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's anybody intensity. else couldn't get away with it, man. He's just fucking furious. Absolutely. He's possibly yeah. furious. so angry. Yeah. And, you know, he, he fucking went through a lot of shit, man. Uh, yeah, do you it? want me to tell a story from the book? Oh, please. <laughs> Spin yarn, buddy. By the by the end of the tours, uh Rollins decided he didn't want to sit up front with the rest of the people, so he stayed in the back uh with all of the gear for very long trips by solo by himself. <laughs> also known as the James Nook. Yeah, I remember the James Nook. <laughs> I just wow, I just imagined like a stack of drum cases and you know, the driver turns and one falls off towards him and yeah. he just punches it out of the way. And that's <laughs> his, his ride training. Uh, he, he was going through some stuff, though. I mean, he had been brought up a uh, military family and he was it was very regimented. But at the same time, I mean, he was he was in a bad headspace. And this playing in Black Flag, I think, actually hurt him. He said hurt him. It made it worse because he started getting in his literally in his head wow. and starting to live out uh, a lot of the stuff that, you know, the songs are about. And then he reacted that way by like antagonizing the audience. And then, of course, the audience threw it back in his face, started spitting on him and stuff. And then he would fight them. Yeah. <laughs> and it just went like that until he I think eventually uh, Greg was like, I'm, I'm out. You know, it, it was two more records but greg was like i can't be in we can't be in this band and henry is now the band mm. he has become an icon of the band and since we can't be in it together i we i just have to break up my own band <laughs> mm-hmm. man in my town yeah, growing he- up the kids i worked at the ice cream shop were pretty chill <laughs> not so in dc i guess <laughs> nothing is chill in dc <laughs> Um, regarding the uh, like the police and the violence surrounding Black Flag shows, there was a uh, uh, named uh, Gerald Colesley from the Boston Rock who asked uh, asked the band like why didn't they try to stop violence at the shows? And um, Dukowski uh, responded uh, with a succinct summation of the punk principle of anarchy: Do we have a right as leaders to tell people how to act? The easy solution isn't a solution. It's the fucking problem. It's too easy to have to someone tell you what to do. It is harder to make your own decision. We put a certain amount of trust in the people that come to see us. Which I thought re- reminded me a lot of the Gathering of the Juggalos, to be totally honest. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, wow, seriously, yeah. Absolutely, dude. Beautiful thing. Like, anarchy in, uh, in action. But, I was yeah, going to say Altamont, but I'm glad them. you went with Juggalos. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go with Juggalos. Yeah, man, like the cops were all over this band. They couldn't play in L.A. No one would let them play because they had such like a uh, like mystique of like, oh, they're going to fuck everything up. They're going to riot. The cops are going to come like and often the cops in L.A. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. I mean, the the reason why there were riots is because the cops were fucking instigating the punks. Yeah, it's always the cops that instigate this shit. Um. You'd think the cops in, in L.A. in the 80s would have something better to do than hang out at punk shows. Like, there's... You'd be like, wrong. The, the, the Night Stalker's it, out there, dudes. Like, go get him. 
I think for them too, it was, it's, it's such a weird twist of things, but for them, they were, it's such a peace, peace and love and hippie community. I think Black Flag completely spin that, like took it on its head and just smashed it. And so everyone who was thinking, oh, we're such a sunny, you know, town. Now they have to deal with, you know, now Black Flag is here playing these, these shows and the shows weren't that bad. I mean, I'm sure people got in fights and things, but <clears throat> it wasn't a riot. And then, uh, and then, yeah, it's it's like concerned citizens of, you know, being like they're playing too loud. They're they're you know spray painting. Obviously, you know, I think that led to a lot of it. Is people with the black flag logo, and in it being presented as a gang to authority figures. Not just angry kids, justifiably, righteously angry kids. I mean, cops are going to punch down. They've been doing it since they were fucking slave patrols. And yeah. who has less power than a fucking bunch of teenagers, like disaffected teenagers? Yeah. Obviously, lots of people, but let's 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 punch down <laughs> but, on them. But not cops. Speaking of punching down, do you guys think it's strange that less than 15 years after this album came out, uh, Henry Rollins starred in Johnny Mnemonic? <laughs> was gonna come up. I thought that was a wonderful turn of his. <laughs> I thought he did a great job. He is definitely a charismatic person. I mean, he had he had released poetry uh, right after, or actually during this time, mm-hmm. he had been writing like poetry books, uh, and he had been doing talks. I didn't realize how early his uh, his like spoken word talks were. But they were actually during this time, like 1982, yeah. 1983. Wow. Yeah. Have you guys checked like, out the videos he was doing with Lydia Lunch? I was just about to say that. <laughs> no, uh, I'm not. <laughs> oh, boy. It, 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 it's, it's art, I guess. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I don't know what else can be said about the importance of this record. Um, uh, the only yeah. thing we haven't brought up was uh, the second to last episode of Freaks and Geeks where uh, James Franco oh, becomes a punker. <laughs> and I remember down, that. Uh, sitting in his room listening to Damaged. Before he became Carlos the Dwarf. <laughs> Before he became Carlos the Dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> Carlos. What do you think about the guitar tone? It's, it's punk rock. It l- launched a thousand SoCal bands. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Greg Ginn's guitar is it, It's like shredding coming for you. Yeah, it's amazing. Was he making his own amps? Like I know, like the whole SST like label, like SST had to do with solid like uh, it. It's, God, he was making he was making like ham radios and shit. I forget what SSC yes. stands for. Solid um, state transmission, which I assume means that he was since that was like his hobby. He was probably making his own shit. Yeah, he was developing his own own sort of sound and own uh, using his own amps. So 
Uh, That's cool. It sounds his, mm-hmm. Did they ever get picked up by a line? Like, get, get, did no. they mass produce Greg Ginamps ever? No, it was it was it was purely like a DIY thing, like everything. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, solid state tuners. That's what it was. Not Thank tuners. you. Thank um, but yeah, I mean, it's been said Greg Ginn is is a sort of a perfectionist and the hardest working man anybody has ever seen. Yeah, I mean, you, you want to hear insanity for practice schedules for this band? Six days a week, upwards of eight hours a day. Judas Priest. That's how you get good. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, before before after really this good. record? Before. I mean, before. Wow. Yeah, and through. Like, they were, okay. all of them were living at the, the SST, like, <laughs> headquarters, sleeping on the floor, and they were so broke, they would go across the street to the uh, the diner, and they would just order waters, and they'd wait for a little kid to eat, because little kids would, like, leave food on the table. <laughs> they'd be eating little kid scraps like, oh. for their lunch, because they were so fucking broke. I was hoping Henry Rollins dressed up like a child. Here <laughs> <laughs> for the junior discount. <laughs> give me, give me, give me. <laughs> give me, give me, give me. <laughs> They also said that um, sometimes, you know, one of their parents would send them money or get them money and then they'd have to like sneak away to a 7-Eleven. And if they had a candy bar or a cookie, they had to make sure to wipe their mouth because they would be accosted <laughs> by the other members of the band wow. for eating a cookie. <laughs> like, it was like fucking, where it was did like, you get so where did you get the money? Yeah, Rob, I remember we both got into this album at the same time and it was both we were living together in Bloomington. Pretty hand to mouth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. This Reminded is, me. <laughs> yeah. This Going is the government pudding days. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. This is absolutely government pudding and potato flake days. And bless Mother Hubbard's <laughs> cover. Uh... Seriously. <laughs> that kept us alive, man. It, <laughs> kept literally. all of us alive. Same, yeah. <laughs> I will probably bring up the antidote when we talk about uh, X later. But, yeah. <laughs> cool, man. <laughs> yeah. I did want to bring up uh, Raymond Pitabon. Or I, I don't know how you say that. Sure. Pitabon. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is uh, Greg Ginn's brother. He does all the artwork. Super cool artwork mm-hmm. um, for all their albums. And it usually is one, one frame and it has a, like it tells a story in one frame. It's did he do of, the, the a, photo for damage as well? That was one he did not do. Right. No. Uh, but yeah, that, that photo is super iconic i mean it represents the band well too let's catch up on henry rollins's hand for blood i had mm. read coffee and red ink no nope. and you would have read correct because i just made ketchup up so <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> i thought ketchup but i meant red ink and coffee <laughs> yeah the album didn't come out originally um on unicorn but it did come out Two years later, after Unicorn went bankrupt. <laughs> oh yeah, they. Uh, I was wondering about Unicorn. I was like, I don't remember Unicorn. They're the ones that wouldn't put out Damaged, and that was the end of that. Yeah, they they uh, they tried to sue uh, the band for like the the band was going down to the pressing company, like picking up copies of the record, slapping a sticker on it, saying like anti-parent according to the oh, ceo of blah 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 <laughs> and they're were, they're were selling it but like 
in doing so, they broke contract, I guess. Uh, and like Greg Ginn and uh, one of the other dudes went to jail for like contempt of court for five days. Like actually had to spend like actual like jail time, like jumpsuit sandwich in your front po- pocket, mm-hmm. like that apparently got stolen from him. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like uh, then Unicorn goes bankrupt. But like this album should have come out a year before it actually came out. Um, it was all tied up with mm-hmm. this distribution deal, uh, which went belly up anyways. It's so weird. It's so wild that, you know, this they didn't want to put it out. They they basically, I think, just didn't like the band. It was just, it was a, you know, MCA just pulling weight on Unicorn to just not put it out because they were pissed at him, I guess. That's so wild because, yeah. Yeah. I'm so counterintuitive to them trying to make some money, but I mean, to my ears, like this doesn't sound scary, but I can imagine like with all of the fucking press following this band that, yeah, like this was a, something that you didn't want to touch with the, with the parent company, you know, and sensationalist media back then. Yeah, sure. Satanic panics. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was it's I found a good quote that said punks still listen to damage and parents still hate it. Which is probably true. Probably true. It's true. Yeah, to our, our ears, I mean we've we've heard so many records and seen so many movies and things that doesn't it doesn't come across as as out outrageous, but I hear where, you know, like concerned citizens would have put this on and thought, Oh my gosh, this is not uh, Frank Sinatra. This is this so, is not the hippie flower children. This is this is so angry and and sort of visceral that it's uh it's hard to take. Would you say Birch, wear me out, man? Would you say that this is the precursor to 1984's "Stay Hungry" by Twisted Sister? No, I would not say that. Which remember <laughs> Tipper Gore? I do remember Tipper Talking Gore. About that right, but she also talked about Frankenkreis. She also talked about a lot of a lot of other albums. Prince, also Little Red Corvette. That was on her list. A, for yeah, because it's about a dog dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, is it red? <laughs> like a dick on a dog. <laughs> <laughs> that song, I believe, uh, started Tipper Gore down the um, down the path of. R- religious uh, righteousness for the PMRC. And then she got more involved in wanting to put all those uh, parental advisory stickers on everything. Which uh, probably just moved a lot more units. For which of you dudes... Um, Good job, Tipper. In the, in the chat this week, which of you dudes referred to D. Snyder as the Ronald McDonald of heavy metal? <laughs> that was John. <laughs> I really appreciate it. I don't that. disagree. <laughs> I love I love Stay Hungry. I have that on vinyl. It's one of my favorite records, but uh, it's, it's apt. All right. What do we think of Black Flag Damage? I'm here I, late. I'm, and um, you must listen yeah, to before absolutely you Absolutely must listen. This is this is a must listen. I I now know. Cool. Yeah. yeah I'm what, I'm what, fully what on board with this. I'm super happy you liked it, man. Oh yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Of course you did. But you know who should listen to this album? Everybody! <laughs> 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 
I'm depressed. Would you say this is the uh, hardcore album? Like, American hardcore album? I'm always going to go with uh, Circle Jerks, Group Sex. Yeah, me too. But okay. that's because I heard it first. So. Yep. <laughs> first I, come, I, buddy. I'm partial to Dead Kennedys, but that's just my aesthetic. No, that's totally valid. Those are all... Those are all very valid. Yeah, it'd be hard for me to choose. I might pick damage, but it's all of those are great. So good deal. All right. Next time we'll be talking about X Wild Gift. Right, y'all. Oh, yeah. Got a hold of me.